0: Welcome. Good morning. So glad that you're here. My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here. I see a few new faces. We're so glad that you're here. I'd love a chance to meet you, so come up and introduce yourself, and then probably do that like three more times because I've got major name issues. So um, it's so great to see all of you here, though. We are starting a new conversation today, and it's called Reconnect with God, um, or Connect with God. The the parentheses are... Is this going to keep happening? Okay, we'll find out. It's been one of those technology days. It's been really fun. Woo! It's all the fun, fun public school situation that we got going on here. I'm just going to use the other one. Yeah, okay. Testing. Oh, hello. Truth be told, um, Ashish Bhaskaran, our worship pastor, worship leader, he doesn't want me to use this one because he thinks that when I use the handheld, I start going off on, like, stand-up comedy routines or something. I don't think that happens, so I'm just, I'd prefer this one, because then we can just kind of, hey, what's up, you know, it's fine. Anyway, we, we, honestly, we love worshiping in this school, but it does mean that everything you see gets set up and teared down every single week, and that just makes for a lot of really fun, or, depending on how you look at it, fun, adventurous, or terrifying experiences in trying to set up a whole worship experience every single week, but it's a privilege to be here in this school, and we're so grateful. So we're going to have this conversation we're starting today for this month called Reconnect with God or Connect with God. Didn't want to assume that some people are unconnected, but some of us do feel that way at times. And uh, at Mill City, if you've been around for a little while, there's something that's very easy to notice about our community, and that is that we are a very action-oriented church. We're a very action-oriented community. I look at all of you, and I think of the stories of the kingdom impact that you're making in the world, the ways that you step out in action and faith to join in what God's doing in the world. But the reality is, as we finish these conversations and we think about these conversations, the last few months, we talked last month about race and what we've been learning about that. The month before that, we were talking about how we join God in our work. Before that, we were talking about looking for the ways we can join God and and step into action in our neighborhoods and and engage with our neighbors. So, like I said, action-oriented things. But the reality is, is that none of that will make any sense if we're disconnected from God. None of that will make any sense. If we are, as we say in our mission, loving our community in the name of Jesus, the in the name of Jesus part is our why, but it's also our how. We often ask these two questions here all the time. What is God saying? What is God doing? And how am I going to respond? What is God saying to me? And how am I going to join in what I see God doing in the world? And if we're going to ask those two questions, then this becomes crucial, doesn't it? being connected to the God that we're trying to join in what God's doing around us in the world. To join God, we need to know God, and to know God, we need to be connected to God. So everything we do to live out our mission hinges on the deepening of our connection with the God that we're joining in the world. We all know, I think, most of you would share with me that there are times when you don't feel that sense of connection to God. That's not the the feeling that you might have. So maybe some of you are here and you're feeling kind of distant from God in this season and you are thinking, yeah, reconnect. That sounds right for me. Others of you, maybe you're feeling like you're connected, but there's a way in which you could go deeper. And for others, you feel deeper, deeply connected to God in ways right now that you haven't for a long time, but you're around people who don't always feel that way. And this is why this conversation is so important. So. We're going to talk about this reality. Here's kind of, I'm just going to give you a little bit of where we're going to go, okay? So today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the barriers or the interference that we sometimes have in trying to connect with God and our relationship with God. Next week, I'm going to specifically talk about uncertainty and doubt and spend a whole, t- a whole Sunday talking about what that rea- those realities are like for us in our lives And then we're going to explore different pathways of connecting with God. We're going to say, are there some ways maybe we haven't experienced yet or thought about or we want to reconnect with in order to go deeper in our relationship with God? And we're going to do all of this because God's mission depends on it. Because everything else that we do depends on this reality. Because it's by the power of God's spirit that we live and we move and we exist. So we're going to explore this together. Sound good? Let's pray together before we look into God's word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do thank you so much for the opportunity to be in this place, to be in this school, to freely and openly worship your name, Jesus. We do not take that for granted here in this public place. And we thank you, God, for this school. We thank you for all the hiccups that it causes for us on a Sunday morning. We are thankful that you've called us here. God, that you are moving in this place, that your Holy Spirit is with us, amongst us. And we pray, God, that your Spirit would stay present in this place, Throughout tonight and into tomorrow, as these kids come back to school, God, that they would be experiencing a different experience because you are here. God, would you bless the school? Would you allow it to prosper, God? Would you give energy and strength to the teachers and the faculty and staff? And God, we pray that you would allow us in, in this space right now to hear from you, that you would speak to each one of us, that those of us who feel close to you or far from you, you would meet us where we're at. We thank you that you promise to be with us wherever we go in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I decided I would start out with a confession today, if that's okay. My confession is that I have a lot of issues. Anyone else? All right, cool. Just going to be honest. Um, So I'm going to actually talk about one specific issue, and that is my extreme impatience when it comes to uh, technology not working properly. Anyone else? All right, I seriously, you guys, It's something that I have a problem with. And anybody who knows me closely or has to live with me knows that he's nodding. (laughs) It's very difficult for me. Um, I don't even use the Siri voice activation on my iPhone because it doesn't understand me 95% of the time. And I'm sick of yelling enunciated enunciated words at Siri and then calling somebody else that I wasn't even trying to call. Drives me crazy. And I want you guys to know that I'm working on it, like I'm working through it. It's not something that's like a problem that I'm not dealing with, but it is a problem, okay? And I'm gonna tell you a story about a few years ago when this problem came to the surface where I saw the deep reality of my issues, okay? So about four years ago, um, the carrier that I had at the time for my cell phone, it was so bad that it would drop the call every like two minutes, okay? And so this carrier, okay, it was Sprint, all right? And if anyone works for Sprint or something, it's not personal, but it felt personal then, All right, so Sprint and I, we weren't getting along. And my calls were being dropped. The GPS wasn't working half the time. And then we'd have these situations where my apps wouldn't function properly. Like apps I'd come to rely on for my daily life, okay? And text messages were coming like minutes later, minutes, like half an hour later. I needed to know what was happening. And it was really bad. Anyway, it got to this point where it went on for weeks. I called them, you know, you know that call where you're like, I couldn't use my phone to call, I had to get someone else's phone to call. I'm calling from a Verizon phone right now because Sprint is not working in my home, you know, and I'm having this conversation. Anyway, turns out something about the towers moving or some sort of nonsense, I don't even know. Anyway, I got, you guys, I snapped. Like I literally snapped, I called Sprint, and I canceled my service. And you know I had to pay like 250 bucks to cancel that thing, and I'm like, fine. Put it on my American Express and I'm gonna get miles. And then I switched to, maybe he was right about the microphone. Sorry, Ashish. So then, so then I switched to Verizon, okay? Verizon. There's issues with that thing too, okay? I'm not like pro-Verizon necessarily, but I switched to Verizon, and I'm trying to deal, and I'm trying to, to, to deal with all this stuff. And what you realize pretty quickly is the battle humans versus technology. Who wins every time? The technology, okay? So like I said earlier, I'm working through it, okay? I'm having... So so that was a few years ago. And I tell you all of this because I have this eerie feeling sometimes when I think about that experience a few years ago, when I think about how I kept getting disconnected with my phone, how I couldn't use all the functions that had previously worked super well, it feels eerily similar to how I feel in my relationship with God sometimes. I feel this weird thing where it's like the call's getting dropped. It's like there's interference. And what used to be like a clear connection is not working anymore. Or the different things I used to do wouldn't, won't connect with God the way that it, it used to experience that connection with God. Like the apps aren't working on my phone. And I know it seems weird, but it, and it sounds maybe dramatic. But it was dramatic. But this interference that we experience, it causes me to want to give up sometimes to just stop trying to take the level of effort that I'm putting towards connecting with God and say, forget it. I'm going to put this effort towards something else because it's not working. And I want to quit just like I quit on sprint. You guys, it felt as dramatic as I'm making it sound back then. But what I think is, is that sometimes it feels like nothing is working anymore. At times in my life, I felt like the distance that I feel from God is going to be permanent. There's no way that we're going to be able to overcome the interference that we're experiencing. And so maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you feel that way now. And I bet there's somebody sitting with an arm's length of you that feels that way right now. So it brings up this question. If we're not able to see what God is doing clearly all the time, which I want to suggest, in this life, in this world, we can't see clearly what God is doing. We're in a time right now where God's kingdom is breaking in, but someday it'll be here fully, and so there's interference. That should be expected, even though it sometimes is deeper than we'd anticipate. But even though we experience this interference now in this life, I think that we can ask a question. How do we connect with God despite the fact that there is interference in our connection with God? How can we pursue this still? And so that's what we want to spend this month talking about, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to look at two passages in the Bible briefly. The first is a psalm. Every week I want us to look at a psalm because I think when you look at the psalms, these poems that are written to God, what we're seeing is a little glimpse of how someone in the past tried to connect with God. They were trying to put the, into words their, their connection with God and maybe even the interference that they felt. And so we're going to look at Psalm 63. Um, one of the things I love to do, you can turn to Psalm 63, we'll have it up here on the screen. One of the things that I love to do is, uh, just kind of as an aside, is to take a psalm and in my journal just rewrite it in my own words. Kind of thinking about how it might connect with what's going on with me at this time. So maybe that's a way that you can try connecting with God in a new way. I let each stanza of each part of the poem just kind of open up my heart to what might be going on inside. And so as I read it, I just want you to to listen. Maybe you even want to just close your eyes and listen to it today to see if there's something that God wants to say specifically to you in Psalm 63. We'll have it up here on the screen too. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you and I will praise you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Like I said, you you read a psalm like this and you see a person, just like you and me, trying to figure out how to express their relationship with God. And I think in this psalm, if you look at it carefully, you see some of the interference that we experience today. Tell me if you resonate with some of this. I sense that the psalmist here is not having a full connection, in part because they start out by saying, God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. This person is in a wilderness experience right now. They're longing for something more. Can you resonate with that? That sense of just longing, there's got to be something more than what I'm experiencing right now. This experience of stagnant and stale and dry. I mean, you think of a desert. There's nothing that you can see around you that shows that there's a sign of life. And we're like that sometimes. I've experienced that. There's this feeling that you're just going through the motions and you want something more. You long for something more. Can some of you resonate with that this morning? Or the next stanza, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. What we notice when we read it and we look at it in the Hebrew is it's a past tense. In the past, I saw you, God. In the past, I saw something amazing, your glory. Have you had those moments in the past where you look back and you think, man, if I could just get back to when it felt like that. Those mountaintop experiences, we sometimes call them, where you feel God's presence more. Or things are just going really well and so you just feel really blessed by God and your heart is feeling grateful, like gratitude comes naturally, not just because it's November and you're supposed to be thankful or whatever. Have you felt like that before and then been in a spot where you wonder, how do we get back to that? Sometimes we look back and we experience so many circumstances that cause it to be really difficult for us to feel God's presence or maybe it even causes us to wonder if God's there. When we experience illnesses in our own life or our families, uh, when there's drama at work, people have lost their job or had to make transitions, you thought that new job was going to be way better, but it's worse than the one you just left. This hopelessness that comes when relationships are broken and it doesn't turn out the way that we hoped. Some of you, I know, have experienced betrayal in your life. In relationships, some of you have experienced being betrayed by the church, by Christians, by people who said they were following Jesus. And it feels like a wilderness, doesn't it? When you're in that spot and you're just overcome with questions and doubts. And man, I think most of us can resonate with the reality that right now there's just so much fear and anxiety that we're just swimming in. It feels difficult to feel connected to God for a lot of us. And then the psalmist goes on towards the end to talk about this interesting reality of this enemy, right? This enemy, these people who want to kill me, they're going to go down to the depths of the earth. Um... All who swear by God will glory in him, but the mouths of liars will be silenced. Here's a tip, free tip. When you read about enemies in the book of Psalms, it's a time for us to have an opportunity to remember who the true enemy is. Okay? It's not a time to think about the football team that your rival's against and their fans. That's not your enemies. Okay? Those are football rivals. It's for fun. It's also not the time to think about your enemies as like the other people going for the same promotion as you. That's not what we're talking about. It's not talking about your political enemies or any of those kinds of things. It's talking about Satan, the kingdom of darkness, a battle of spiritual warfare that's going on in our lives, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And so then we get to the spot and we say, what's with the interference? There is our clue. There's interference because we have an enemy who desperately wants to keep us disconnected from God. And we'll do anything to speak lies into our minds and hearts, saying anything about who we are, who God is, except what is true. And God is is wanting so deeply for us to to turn towards him, but there is interference because we have an enemy, a a liar who will ultimately someday be silenced. And so I think it's tempting to quit. It's tempting to say, this is too hard. This is never going to change It's just getting worse. But I look at the psalmist at the very beginning, and the psalmist says, earnestly seek. Earnestly. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek for you. This idea that earnestly seeking or having to really put effort into it is all throughout Scripture. You look at the whole story. For people who desperately wanted to connect with God, there was an earnest seeking. It took effort. How we got this idea that we're supposed to be feeling it or something, like I'll do like something to connect with God if I'm feeling it, I have no idea where we got that because it's not in the Bible. What we see when we look at the Scripture is effort. People not striving in order to earn something for God, from God, but wanting so desperately to turn towards God. Another place that I love is in Acts 17. I want to read just a part of Acts 17 to you. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is stepping into the leadership of the early church, and they're in a city called Athens, Athens is not too different in my mind than what we experience a little bit here in Minneapolis and St. Paul because Athens is a place where there's a lot of educated people they love to talk about things and not actually do anything about it reminds me of Facebook and they've got these people who have lots of idols they've built a lot of idols to represent what they actually worship and and you know that our culture is full of those things too and and all the people are seeking after something really desperately and it's it's peace and prosperity And and this is really, really popular with the Roman leadership right now. And they're turning towards everything for peace except from God. They're turning towards the government. They're turning towards money and power. They're turning towards even entertainment at times and celebrity trying to ignore the tension that comes that when some people are experiencing peace and prosperity, there's usually other people who definitely aren't. Does that not sound like what we're living in right now? And Paul comes into this city and he's looking around into this relatively public space. And the people that are there are with him, but then also these these Greek folks, and uh, this is what he says. I'm gonna read it in verse twenty-two, so it's Acts seventeen, verse twenty-two. Paul then stood up at the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Pretty bold here. Here it comes. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself himself, So to sum it up, Paul comes in here and he says, God does not live in a temple anymore. God has left the building. God is now with us, among us. And God cannot be confined to little human-made things. That is not this God I'm talking about. God gave you life and breath, whether you're feeling it or you believe it or not, and decided the places that you're going to live ahead of time. And God did all of this, all of this, so that you would seek him. You would look for him. And perhaps find him, because he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. So no matter how you feel today, God put you where you are at right now for a reason, for multiple reasons. It's not an accident. God did this so that, like in verse 27, that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, because he's not far from any one of us. But the problem is, is that it feels like God is far from us sometimes, doesn't it? kind of like this. Okay. Go with me on this. Okay. Every night, uh, when I wake up in the morning, at night, I take off my glasses and I put them on my nightstand. Right. I can't see anything without these things. Okay. That's just a true confession. Number two. And, uh, so I put them on my nightstand, but here's the thing. Sometimes I end up putting them on my dresser instead of on my nightstand. All right. So in the morning, this is me feeling around for my glasses because I can't see a thing. And, uh, remember the aforementioned patient situation that I'm working on. So usually what happens is I say something like who took my glasses and my husband says nothing because he's a smart man Because nobody took my glasses. It was like like nighttime gremlin comes and takes my glasses. Of course No one took my glasses. They're just not right exactly where I'm searching I Put them somewhere else, but they're there right They're not far from me, but they feel like they're far from me because I can't see them and I can't feel them and I can't see anything without them. For some of you, the last few years of your life, maybe even just the last few months, have felt like some huge shifts. Things have changed. Your life has gone through a lot of things. And you feel like you're searching for God and he's not where you last left him. And you're like, this isn't fair. You're like, hello, where are you? Who moved my Jesus? Hello? But the reality is, is that God doesn't change. But God does move. And we change. And we move. And sometimes we reach out for God and we don't find him like we used to. But it's a mistake to assume that that means God is not near. A lot of other things may have happened, but it's a mistake to assume that when you reach out and right away you can't find God and you don't feel God right away, that's a mistake to assume that that means that God is not near. Seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him because he is not far from any one of us. Do you hear how active that is? Seek, find, reach out. Don't stop looking until you see something or feel something that might be God. But here again, we hear it takes effort. It takes effort. Paul didn't, it didn't come easy to Paul either. We've got these stories of Paul wandering around trying to decide exactly what God's saying and where God is. And I find it encouraging that Paul didn't know exactly what God was saying or doing. It's also a little bit frustrating. But if Paul had to earnestly seek, then so will we. If Paul had to be wandering sometimes, then so will we. If the psalmist described connecting with God as earnestly seeking, what does earnest mean? Deep, intense, committed, keen, diligent, zealous seeking. Then this is the call in our lives as well. It's not going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. Have you noticed that a lot of the things worth doing are not easy at all? So what I hope you hear today is a, a sense of encouragement. Not to give up. Don't give up earnestly seeking. Maybe you actually did give up already. I'm encouraging you to try again. To come back to God and to earnestly seek. And we have to encourage each other to do that when it feels hard. Because we need our team, don't we? And there's going to be interference. But God is not far from any one of us. It's going to take effort. I love this quote by uh, theologian Dallas Willard. Why don't you put it up on the screen? Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. This isn't about earning God's love, you guys. God loves you already. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. This isn't about earning God's approval, the more devos you do every day. What a joke. God approves of you because you're his kid. This isn't about trying to earn salvation or earn anything. Effort is because of God's grace that God's invited us to put our whole heart into this connection with God. Someday there won't be any interference. We look forward to a future kingdom, but until then, we have to earnestly seek as though our lives depended on it, because I think it does. And something that I've noticed about my life and about a lot of our lives is that some of us have put a lot more effort into way less important things. And it doesn't mean those other things don't matter And sometimes it's easier to put effort into things where we see instant gratification, like uh, growing in our leadership skills or trying to become a better spouse or being really great at parenting or doing good in our job, all good things. But are there times where we have put so much effort into things that have such temporary results compared to what it looks like to earnestly seek after the God of the universe who loves us? when we earnestly seek after God, when we don't give up, when we get curious and creative in how we seek God, I have seen time and time again that we find him. It might be in the last places that we expected. It's probably not in the last place you left God. But God shows up in the spaces when we're looking, when we are actively seeking. Because at the end of the day, the question isn't, is God gonna show up? But are we? Are we gonna show up to God even when it's hard? Because God is not far from any one of us. I'm going to have the band come back up and we're going to celebrate communion. Listen, I, I truly believe that God loves all of us so much and wants us to experience the love that God has for us. And I, in my opinion, I think it breaks God's heart that the brokenness of this world causes so much interference between us and God. I think that that's something that breaks God's heart as much as it breaks ours the frustration that we feel when we, can't, when we reach out and we just don't feel like God is right there. I just feel that God's on the other end just going just a little bit farther, just hold on, don't give up, don't give up. And what I think is so beautiful about communion, this opportunity for us to come up and to, and to actually physically touch something, to, to take the bread in just a minute, you're gonna come down, you're gonna take the bread, you're gonna dip it into the cup, we'll have people here to pray for you. But I think it's something that is, is designed by Jesus that would remind us that he's not far from us. Just even this little moment where you just touch something, a simple element, but you touch it and you remember that even though you don't feel God all the time, that God is there, that God is with us. Let that physical moment today be a reminder to you that God is always closer than we feel God is. Even on the best days of feeling God, God is closer even then. And so as we take communion, I just want you to to allow God to remind you of the reality that no matter how you feel today, that God is near. Let people pray for you who will be over here on the walls. We'd love to do that for you. And anybody who's truly seeking Jesus today, you're welcome to this table. You're welcome to a place that I believe that God desperately wants to be found. So let's pray before we go into this time of communion. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who is with us, that you are Emmanuel, the with us God, that you promise time and time again in your story that you will be with us wherever we go. And we see lifetimes of people who struggled to feel like you were distant and didn't know how to pursue you, but we pray that you'd give us the courage and the strength not to give up. Give us curiosity, give us creativity as we pursue you in our lives. And for those who are here who have given up, who have to admit, like, I have just quit, give us the courage to take one step again, one step towards you, and let today just be the beginning of the new things you wanna do in their life. We want to join you and your work in the world, and so we desperately need to be connected with you, Jesus. We thank you that you've done everything necessary for us to be connected with you because of your body that was broken and your blood that was shed and the fact that you conquered death and the division between us and the Father. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.